This Week in Startups is brought to you by Captera, the leading free online resource to find the best software solution. Visit captera.com slash twist for free today to find the right tools to make 2019 the year for your business. Tonal, get a full body workout with hundreds of moves and 200 pounds of resistance without ever leaving your house. Visit tonal.com to learn more and use promo code TWIST to get $100 off Tonal's smart accessories. That's T-O-N-A-L.com and use promo code TWIST. And 8sleep, the first bed engineered to improve your sleep through dynamic cooling and heating, detailed sleep tracking, and more. Try the pod for free for 100 days at 8sleep.com slash TWIST. Upcoming launch events. Apply for the next Launch Accelerator cohort. Applications are due December 23rd. Learn more and apply at launchaccelerator.co. Hey, everybody. Welcome to This Week in Startups. I'm your host, Jason Calacanis, and this is the podcast where we talk to founders about their vision for how the world should change through their startups, their products, their services, and perhaps one of the toughest spaces to ever be a founder in is the media space. Let's face it. And it's an unmitigated disaster out there for newspapers, websites, everything except podcasting and email newsletters seems to be an unmitigated disaster. Everybody's losing their jobs. Unions are being formed while companies are going out of business. It, it's hard. It's never been harder. And I started in print publishing with Silicon Reporter. I did Weblogs Inc. with Engadget. I do this podcast. And I am struggling uh, building my own newsletter business at Inside.com. I say all this as a preamble. Because anybody who starts one of these media businesses must have an incredible thesis and a lot of fortitude. The following uh, guest, Alex Mather, is with us, and he runs TheAthletic.com. If you don't know what that is, um, it is a paid subscription sports publication, which, Alex, seems like the worst possible idea to launch in 2015. (laughs) When you said, I'm going to launch a subscription product in 2015, after the investors laughed and your friends laughed at you, you then told them you were going to do it in the hardest possible category, sports. What on, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks. Congrats <laughs> on having over 600,000 paid subs at last we heard. And that was, I think, earlier this year. So it's probably getting close to a million, I'm going to guess. Why on earth did you decide to start a subscription model in a category that everybody said, there would be no subscribers. Yeah, I think it's a, a story that probably a lot of folks tell you, which is as a user, you felt a need. Ah. And as a sports fan, I'm originally from Philadelphia. And uh, I'm a oh, don't Sixers. Tell you, you're an Eagles fan? I'm a Sixers and an Eagles fan. Oh, my Lord. Uh, still boasting uh, about that one Super Bowl we won. Uh, so, uh, you know, our, our teams are very rarely in the, in the national spotlight unless we win a Super Bowl. Uh, which, yeah. Which we did. Um, yes. You've uh, done that. <laughs> uh, so, How many did the um, Giants win during that period? Okay, never mind. Let's keep going. <laughs> hey, we are the only teams to have beaten the Patriots. We can, Isn't that amazing when you think about it? We can it? relish in that. Yeah, uh, the cheaters. We beat the cheaters. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so uh, It as takes a, a lot to beat somebody <laughs> who's a systematic cheater. I just want to put that out there really for the Patriot does. fans. Like yeah. those guys, can you imagine being that good at what you do and then you have then to you cheat have on top advantages. of it? It's just so- It's like counting cars or something. Come at me, uh, come at me New England. <laughs> so uh, as a fan of, a, of, of teams that like- if. 
if I'm a Flyers fan, I'm very rarely covered by ESPN or others. Oh, right. And so, you know, the teams that my co-founders from Cincinnati, the Bengals and Reds, you're not going to find them on the news. No. Uh, so these are teams that are ra- very rarely covered and, and felt that there was this opportunity to cover those teams in a in a way that places like 538 or Grantland used to or The Ringer or ESPN cover the big teams, right? So many people cover the Warriors, but how many people cover the Reds, right? right. So many people cover the Yankees. How many people cover the Astros as well, right? So you had a thesis, hey, instead of going for the big markets, let's go for the underserviced markets first. That's right. And so we launched in Chicago in 2016. Great sports town. A great sports town, generally undercovered. Yeah, which um, is weird. Yeah. Uh, and That's actually a real opportunity because they're kind of a major market that's yeah. under report on. Yeah, they're not on a coast. Uh, and so uh, we launched in Chicago in early 2016. Little did we know that they would break their 108-year curse that year. Right. Uh, and uh, I would say like our thesis was pretty simple. Hire really great people. Think about you know the things where you can be different. As a mm. subscription business, you have to be different. We, uh, at my previous time at Strava, where uh, learned how to build a subscription business, we also bought a lot of ads. And, you know, if you buy ads, you realize pretty quickly you're not going to buy ads on a local newspaper website. Yeah. And so the friction yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah. And you could literally get a, a hundred thousand times the reach for half the price with a better tool. Like we, Google or Facebook, exactly right. And so we felt that there was these these changes happening. They were uh, they weren't that controversial. The changes around advertising and digital media, and felt that hey, if there was ever a time to do something stupid uh, and see if subscription worked, it would be in 2016. And, right. And uh, very few investors agreed that it was a good idea. Uh, and what did uh, they say? Because coming in with a media business, I'm sure you if you email 100 VCs and say I'm starting a media business. Literally 70% are like, we don't do media. Yep. So now you're down to 30. You pull the Stravia card because you worked for a really yeah. successful- Is it Stravia? How you Strava. Strava. Yes. You worked for Strava. Yep. Which is a very successful subscription business for cyclists. Cyclists and runners around and the runners. world. Yep. Um, that does very well. Yep. They're doing well. Um, or did very well, yeah. So that might get you the meeting. So when you got the meeting with the other 30 who said, who didn't laugh- Yeah. What did they say? I, I think you hinted at you know, obviously something that my co-founder Adam and I talk about a lot is fortitude. Uh, yeah. you, you have to take a lot of rejection. Um, and the things they said uh, were very, very consistent. Uh, number one, there's so much content out there, mm. right? If you're a team, you know, if your team is the Yankees, you can find a thousand stories a day on the internet. Mm. Uh, and what we'd always say is like, have you read these stories? Have you clicked on any of them? Mm. And if you do, they're mostly aggregated versions of like two people actually doing the reporting. Right. You have two people who are the actual beat reporters who show up for Sixers games. Like yep. their press conferences could be held like in a closet. Like yep. you could literally do it in a <laughs> mini Starbucks. How many that ju- small, but yes. How, uh, many, how many actual real journalists show up? Uh, at, the, at the Sixers, it's probably 15. But 15. you know, a, a team like the New Orleans Pelicans only have one or two people traveling with the team. 
Uh, so and do they, those writers, they're so desperate for coverage. They let those writers fly on the plane with the players. Uh, some do, some don't. Yeah. We generally try to stay away from anything that would uh, question our objectivity. But yeah, private aviation slightly <laughs> might. Yes. Infri- can you so, imagine you're like flying private and then you're yeah. like, you write, you're going to write something nasty and about the thinking coach? about economy class. Yeah. You're yeah. like, OK, Southwest. Yeah. Yep. Save repairs. Exactly. So they said, number one, there's too much content. But what we kept coming back with is read it and tell us, you know, come back to us. Number two was, and I I completely understand this perspective in 2016, Mm. is market size. So subscription, you know, it's a a smaller TAM Mm. than, you know, an advertising business, which has everyone, right? Billions of users on Facebook. Uh, You know, Netflix is the largest subscription ever made ever made and in the history what, of humanity 170 million people right, right. It's, verizon would be right behind it with over 100 million wireless right. subs behind right. that it was the cable companies and behind that the other biggest would have been hbo via the cable businesses yep. so it's kind of related and behind that spotify 15 20 30 million something like yep. that now they're now they're bigger but you know they're like, bigger i'm talking about paid though yeah yeah and so, like, you know, the even 170 million worldwide, that's not that many people, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's a small number, and a lot of investors got scared off by that. Mm. Uh, but, you know, folks like uh, Charles Hudson at Precursor. He's awesome. Yeah, totally. He's good, he's good for a 250, 500K he, check he to get started. He put $250,000 into the business. When it was um, a $5 million business. Something like that, yeah. So he gets um, to own 5%, and so, now the business is worth a lot more. You have 600,000 paid subscribers. On that's average, right. $30 is what it costs. Uh, oh, no, it's $60. $60 a year. That's right. I paid 30 because you have a 50 off. That's right. So let's net it out to $45 is what the average person is paying. So round it up to 50. You're talking about a 30, 40, $50 million a year in subscription revenue. Our, our, so our, all of our discounts are first year. This is in, in the weeds a little bit, but all of our discounts are first year. Yeah. And that works. Uh, people retain very uh, nicely after the first year. And, and so we get full price 80, second year. 80, 90%, I would guess. Yeah, 83%. Oh, is it really? I guess yeah. it that close. Yes. Um, you did some cool stuff with a dollar to, for the first yes. year, right? So we do so much experimentation. I think like this is just you know never-ending game of understanding the best way to give people a chance to try your product. It's really hard to get someone to take their credit card out. So you try lots of different ways to get people to try your product at first. And we think once you read our product for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, you'll go back and you'll be like, what was I thinking? It's like my example here is like watching a Netflix show, right? You watch a Netflix show, then you binge the next one, then the next one. And then you go back and put like your regular TV on. Oh, you want to kill yourself. There's a commercial. You're like, wait, 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 wait. What did I- wait till next week? I don't even understand. Why am I doing this? So I'll just wait till the- season three it's and amazing get it on, you know how that changed people's um behavior yep and it's we like, th- i yeah. like it can you imagine any other business that's like oh did you like this ice cream <laughs> come back next week for another yep. scoop and yep. you're like but i'm willing to buy three scoops right i now. want it all right now and so we think about that once you use our product with no ads just the content you want just the good stuff mm. You go back to the other world and you realize, hey, uh, this is saving me so much time. I'm getting more, so, so much more out of it. I'm learning so much about my favorite teams. Uh, and people love it. And they, they just stick around forever. Why hasn't anybody else been able to make subscriptions? I think since Sports Illustrated. Sure. 
why hasn't anybody been able to make subscriptions work? ESPN has a subscription thing, and it's terrible. Uh, they're, it's annoying. They've got, they've got a very different goal around- It's for sport, fantasy sports, right? Uh, well, so that has been merged into their ESPN Plus product that's focused on video. And oh. so they're buying rights for like things like UFC, uh, uh, college football, some hockey oh, okay. games. So, so it's, it's much more of a TV editorial. product. Yeah. Uh, they're doing quite well now. I think they announced yesterday three and a half million subs. Um, oh, that's legit. But spending, you know, hundreds, if not billions of dollars, losing a few billion dollars over the first couple of years. But it's it's a wonderful product uh, given the constraints of how complicated the rights business is around cable versus OTT. But, you know, in the digital media space, like the simple version is it, this story plays out in almost every vertical. The incumbents have a really hard time changing who they are internally. Yeah, the innovators develop right? They got to cross yes. the cha- chasm. It's really hard. It's really hard. If your DNA is advertising, if everyone in your organization is built around advertising and you've lived so well for a century. Yeah. You know, we we are very high up on the list of digital subscription businesses in the world. Uh, we're amongst companies like the New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Which Street Which are Journal. all low single millions. And they are, on average, the companies above us are 142 years old. On Crazy. average. That's the average that That's you're That's the average with. age. They weren't, like we like to say we're a media company of this century. They're not media companies of last century. Yeah. They're media companies of two centuries ago. Yeah. So you have these companies that are incredibly difficult to change internally. And New York Times has done a wonderful job. You they know. did, actually. Yeah. What, when we get back from this quick break, I want you to tell me what's the difference in editorial and managing the writers themselves? Sure. So how does writer behavior, journalist behavior change when you're at an advertising-based business versus a subscription-based business when we get back on This Week in Startup? You need to find the perfect software to solve your problem at work. But how do you find it? Well, you go to Capterra because you need to find a solution fast to whatever your pressing issue is. And you really want to know what all your options are. Well, with over 1 million reviews now in 700 specific categories of software, you can right now figure out if the software you already paid for is the right software or if you need to upgrade it. Or if you need to add something, right? And here, my guy, Presh, at launch, is looking for new sales automation software. We need to make that sales process really efficient. And with Captera, he goes through all the reviews. He sets a couple of filters, like the number of employees we're going to use in the system. And he gets this nice side-by-side comparison of different products with the ratings for how easy they are to use. Because some software is really complicated. Some is really easy. That's the value proposition, right? As well as, obviously, the value for money and the features and the functionality. Well... We picked and we were able to select the free trial option and we tested it out and we went with Pipedrive. It turns out Pipedrive solved some problems for us. Uh, and we, we got that because we used Capterra. Capterra is amazing. It's basically like Yelp, but for software. And I've always wanted a Zagat or a Yelp for software and it exists at Capterra, C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A.com slash twist. Go to Capterra.com slash twist today. And this is how much it costs. It's free. That doesn't cost you anything. You're going to find great tools, and they save millions of people. they got to save them billions of hours of research and mistakes. Don't make a mistake. Get Software Selection Simplified. That's it. Software Selection Simplified. Capterra.com slash twist. Okay, let's get back to this episode. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's This Week in Startups. I'm not sure what episode this is, but it's either 999 or 1001. 
I've been doing this for a long time, dude. I'm wow. tired. No, wow. I'm not tired. I love doing Congratulations. this. Congratulations. Thanks. It's kind of um, balloons. We're going to do the thousandth episode later today. We're going to tape it. And I had like a moment this morning where I actually felt like emotional about it. <laughs> and then I was like, I got to run my subroutine to this wipe out all these emotions <laughs> about, like, I got to get back to work. You do the next thousand. You have to enjoy the moments because you do. You do. Uh, random number enjoyment is important. I think it's important to just pick a random number and then celebrate it. I agree. So when we went to the break, my understanding is you have 500 journalists working for you. That's correct. 500 in four years mm-hmm. or five years? Four. four. We're, not, we're not quite four. I'm guessing you hired half of them in the last year? Uh, about 280 of them in the last year. So more than half. Yeah. So you added one person per business day <laughs> and then a half person every other week, a person every other weekend. Yep. Just in terms to put that to scale. Yep. It was 365 Many days weekends we, we've been recruiting, yes. Journalists are unique individuals in the world. They opt, having been a journalist, they opt for that job yep. for a reason. They're questioners. They're highly intelligent. They're high verbal. Yep. You have to manage 500, <laughs> 280 of which were hired this year, and you probably don't know because the scale's too big for one person. To know I meet a lot of them, but yes, I don't yeah. know some of them. Do they see you in just the journalistic world, these writers, the writer class, do they see you as the solution to the problem? And is their behavior, to my point before we did the cliffhanger and the quick ad break, do they, is their behavior changing now that they're not being asked by Business Insider or Huffington Post to write link-baiting nonsense and just try to get page views to service the advertisers? What's the, what's the behavior change that you see from people coming from writers, specifically coming from ad-based to subscription-based? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, it is the definitely new for my co-founder and I. Uh, and so we went into the business not knowing much. And so uh, we we learned over the last four years a lot of what you just said. Incredibly smart people, in- incredibly self-aware, uh, in- like thoughtful about the business model. Um, and uh, Richard Plepler at, at HBO has one of my favorite quotes ever related to this kind of thing. And he said, create a place where painters want to paint. And so, mm. and wait, so, who said that? Uh, Plepler from HBO. Ah, and a place where painters want to paint, yep. and they would know because people who would never consider doing television will do HBO. Yeah, and and so we 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 take that stuff very seriously, and we wanted to create a company very similar. And what we said is, let's learn from them what they want. Um, what what has been holding them back? What 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 can we do to give them the tools? to be whatever the best version of themselves is, mm. we're going to need that. And so to answer your second question around you behavior, know, behavior, it's incredibly different. It's so different um, that we have an entire team built to help them manage this change. To unlearn what they've learned. That's right. And so- So um, when somebody comes with like, okay, I got it. 10 reasons why <laughs> James Dolan yes. is the worst owner in sports. What do you think? And you're like, <laughs> uh, well, that never. Why only ten? That that that'll sell, you know, all the time. Ten, no matter what. But <laughs> ten, I can name a hundred off the top of my head of why it's the worst owner in sports. Uh, we we um what we what we do is we help them understand like what their best version is. And some people are really good at opinions. Mm. You're a person who is not afraid to share your opinions. Some people are really great at reporting. 
They love to make the phone calls. They are never not on their phone digging in on something. Yeah, Some, that's Kara Swisher archetype. Exactly. Yeah. And then you have people who love, love to just break down things like a scientist or like someone. Yeah, like those uh, Vox explainers. Explainers, but for, you know, whatever. Exactly. What's that, what's that kid's name? The, um, Nate Silver. Nate or, Silver. Yep. And things like that. Um, we love all types. We don't have a specific type that is the athletic writer. Right. Um, but what we do is we work with them. And I'll give you a quick story. I think it's yeah, a please. really important one for us. Um, so we had a writer come to us from a newspaper. He had been, been at the newspaper for, for many, many years. Decades. Decades um, and uh, lots of bad was habits. brand new and used to writing four or five times a day. And he he joined us and he's a hockey reporter. And he, he in his first couple months, he was struggling to figure out how to best figure it out. We have this team um, that works with our writers individually, every single one, a couple times a year, helps them what understand. What do you call that team? Content analytics. Content analytics. So they sit yep. with them. Yep. And do deliberate coaching. That's right. Like you might do for an NBA player who can't shoot yeah. free throws or their form's bad. That, that is the perfect analogy. We call them our strength and conditioning coaches. They're not oh. They're not responsible for hiring and firing, comp, anything like that. They literally right. just make oh. sure that the people are in the best shape of their life. Mm. That's their only job. And so they worked with, with this gentleman a couple times and convinced him to go out of his you know, routine and go to another country and do a story in another country. Um, he flew to Russia, did an amazing story. And you know, the, he, he had been in a newspaper for a while and you know, doesn't know the future of the media business. Well, he drove enough subscribers with that story to keep him employed for the rest of his life. And just that one story. What was it about? Like how they Yevgeny Malkin, just walking through life with Yevgeny Malkin ah. um, in Russia. And what's that, Afghani Malkin? Yevgeny Malkin is a player on the Penguins. Ah, got it. I, I literally do not fi- follow the NHL at all. Yeah, there, there he is. There's the story. What? Ha- can, can we just take an aside here? Yeah. Because you're in sports and you're passionate about it. What, how did the NHL go from being what it seemed like in the 80s and 90s, being a league that was interesting and people were very excited about, to being an outcast? What happened? Yeah. Is it mismanaged? I, mean, I, I am a such a huge hockey fan. I grew up watching the Philadelphia Flyers. Too slow? It's it's such a wonderful game live. Ah. It's tough on TV. It moves so quickly. You can't see the puck. Yeah. And no one can see the puck. It's it's tough to figure out. Most of the players are European. Um, and uh. it, it's it's become a tribal sport, a lot like mm-hmm. baseball. You know, you're Got not just going to throw on your TV and put a random baseball or hockey game on. Right. Um, these are sports that are wonderful, wonderful for us because the people who are Flyers fans aren't shrinking. Right. Um, they're just being covered Didn't by. Did they few- lose their national? television deal at some NBC point? has it now. NBC has yeah, now, so it's coming and they back, do it maybe? wonderfully. Yeah. They, per- yeah. they cover the sport wonderfully. It's just, it, it's taken a backseat a bit to the NBA and the NFL, obviously. And that's, that's a shame. Um, so, with the writers, yeah. um, they used to, they were trained for many years to be link baiting and to be driving audience. And it seems to me that this young generation has only known that. Because I started in the 90s. Yeah. And we were told, don't talk to the sales team, fire the sales team if they come into editorial. Uh, now, the sales team is embedded in editorial. The editors yep. are being asked to write sales materials. I mean, it's, it's that's gone. Church and state is yeah, gone. It's pretty wild. The firewall's gone. Then, they were asked to do fact-checking, proofing, uh, and to have three sources. And now, I, 
just as a subject from time to time, and anybody who's the subject of journalism is super depressed these days because the majority of them never even call you to tell you you're in the story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's. Do those young journalists even know how to do proper journalism? Because they seem to be even taught the wrong thing by Huffington Post. (laughs) A lot of them, you know, so the example I used uh, from a gentleman who had been in the other side of the business for a long time Mm. is just as um, valid for folks who are new. We, that content analytics team we have focuses just as much on our young writers. We call them like our level one writers. It's our fastest growing team in the company. Is level one. Is level one. Is that out of school or one or two years? A couple years of experience, maybe, maybe out of school. 50K a year or something like that? I'm not sure about the salaries, but um, you know, what we think about there is, hey, you have a blank slate Hmm. and you have the best team in sports journalism to learn from. And so we lo- we do a lot of pairing. So we'll pair them with a great journalist and uh, mentorship. And, yeah, and see that's how it worked in my day. Yeah, and, is you had to work with another editor. You had to not work with another writer. They would pair you. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this can come back to like you know we we all saw the the silly WeWork deck the other day, um, you know, profits and operating expenses and all that stuff. Uh, if you were to simplify our business, it's like you know do quality reporting, hire the best people to do the best reporting. It turns out people like that stuff. Um, they love doing that. Yeah, and not not only do people love doing it, the best people in the world, uh, when they do it and you get to bring enough of them together, people will pay for it. And so it's not really that simple. Like it's business isn't that simple. It's a slower process. Yes. And that's been, you know, as we've raised money, we've raised a lot of money. Um, you know, that's been one of our things with our investors is like, hey, this is not, the hockey stick, crazy growth. This is... Yeah, two to three X year over year. Exactly. You're not going to five X a media business. It's hard enough to double or triple revenue year over year. The good news with subscriptions, though, is you do have that foundation. Yes. Advertising, you got to... Earn every, it every year. Oh, it's so annoying. So with subscription, obviously, like we build that that base of recurring revenue. We, If we engage our subscribers well, which we do, 90 plus percent weekly engagement. Mm. Um, this last previous month in, of October, 98% of our subscribers were active. It's, wow. it's the height of the sports season, right? Everything yeah. except college basketball is being played. 98% of, of our subscribers were active. Were active. That means they looked at a page. Yep. They clicked they, on They the read email. an article or listened to a podcast. That's and, unbelievable. Yeah, and so if you do those things, you, know, you can count on those subscribers year after year. Our, our retention from year one to two is over 95% like across all of our cohorts. That's bonkers. Our most recent one was 98%. I think it's because you ch- charge such a fair price. Yeah. I think what gets, how did you come up with the $60 price, a dollar a week? Yeah, I mean, what we said is like, you know, we want wanted to be somewhere a dollar a week, $5 a month range. Um, and, you know, we're Which in growth mode. Which makes it so cheap. You're like, oh. Especially if the first year's discounted. 20, yeah, 30 bucks. The, yeah, it's like $100 for two years. Why yeah. is it being a dollar a week? You're like- well, that's nothing. That's right. And so, you know, that has been our approach to date. You know, longer term, we can look at pricing, thinking about things like fantasy to get mm. folks to pay us more money. But, you know, right now, yeah, it's really about the VIP growth. one. Exactly. So if every dollar you spend, because you don't have to have a sales marketing publishing engine and a social media and all this other nonsense to like market the heck out of this, you have 500 people in editorial. What do you have, like 100 business people? 75 business people, yeah. I um, guessed it almost exactly. Yeah. So that means those people get paid a little more than writers on average, I'm going to guess, but who knows? Let's just so They live in San Francisco, so yeah. Yeah, double. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
So that's like having 150 people doing it, an equivalent. So basically, 70 cents of every dollar that's right. that you spend goes to editorial. Yep. 70 to 75% of our, our budget goes editorial. And think I about think- that. What do you think Vox or an ad-based business like Huffington Post or something does? I'm going to admit I have absolutely- I can tell you. No, yeah. I sold my company to I have, I have AOL. no idea. I can tell you. It's literally 70 to 80 cents. On business, sales, and marketing, Got it. twenty cents on the dollar. Wow! Yeah, so yeah, we've inverted it, and I think that's been our goal from day one. And I think that's earned us so much trust with our newsroom is that we invest everything we can into them, and because we want to keep them, right? Our our business doesn't work if we can't have the best people, and so we need to keep the best people. So they're all full time; they all get equity. Every single journalist in the company gets equity. They don't even know what that means. <laughs> They're just like, what? Uh, they do now because- You have to you educate know, them. And there's been yeah. some secondary in previous rounds. Oh, really? Where writers, oh, yeah. Yeah. So oh, so you let them participate They in can that? participate. See, and that's a smart move. Yeah, and long let term- Let them sell 10% to yeah, make it real. Yeah, it's real money. And the, the folks, we've loved when they negotiate uh, equity. Um, oh, that's such a great moment. You're yes. like, oh my God, you're long you, like me? Yes. You don't like you believe in the company um, and you'll profit from that. And so that's been our approach from day one. We give California benefits, paternity leave, maternity leave, all those things to everyone. And and so at a time when every media company, you know, you talked about journalism uh, being a tough space, uh, you know, because they've treated their folks like labor, right? They have. They're like it's factory workers. It's been a workers. standoff. It's been a standoff because- it, having lived through it, when when everything is going bad, it gets so toxic that everybody gets scared. And when people are scared, behavior gets really weird. Yeah, you start looking behind. You looking Everybody's every, over yep. their shoulder. Yep. The mid-level managers are wondering when they get fired. or The upper-level managers are wondering when they get fired and the mid-level managers get their jobs. The journalists are like, okay, when does this company get bought by a private equity company? And then we all know what happens then, right? And that's uh, I think we know what happens when the <laughs> private equity people come in. Yep, that's really sad. And so, super sad. Um, so we said, you know, let's take this on. It's going to mean significantly higher content costs, right? For sure. Right? But if you look at a company like Netflix or Apple or HBO, they pay up for the best people. They and do. they keep the best people. And they continue year after year to produce the best content in the world. How do you deal with the fact that San Francisco is... Journalists in San Francisco get paid three to, two to three times what a journalist in any other city gets paid. And then people in New York maybe get 50% more. How do you deal with that? And also work from home culture. I don't, I don't, I don't have our exact numbers. I don't think yeah. they're that stark. But uh. um, you know, I think that there is a cost of, a li- cost of living adjustment across all yeah. of our entire business. I'm not sure the exact uh, Do you believe in this uh, work from home stuff? Or I mean, we do don't you have, want everybody to no, be in I mean, office and work? Of the 500... Uh, editorial folks we have a very small percentage single digit percentages work in an office really so they're so it is a distributed workforce they're at stadiums they're at practice facilities they're on the road because you can't you'd have to have an office in every city yeah and so or we work yeah like from a capex perspective that's just not in the in the plans how do you when we get back from this quick break how do you manage 500 writers that are working largely remote and spend half their time out of the office when we get back on This Week in Startups. You thinking about going to the gym today? You thinking about finding parking? You thinking about waiting for a weight machine? You thinking about the crowds? You thinking about the cost? You thinking about the drive time? 
And then you think, you know what? I'm going to Netflix and chill. Screw it. I'll skip the gym. I'll go tomorrow. That's what happened to me for a long time. Then I got the tonal system. I mounted it on the wall. Beautiful screen. And I got to do over 200 exercises. And I'm bringing the cannons back. It has been amazing for me. Life-changing product. You can, in 20, 30 minutes, get the workout that would have taken an hour and a half, plus an hour of travel time, plus paying for parking, all this nonsense. And the reason it's so efficient is because... It sets the weights automatically for you. It learns about your body. I've been using this thing and it saved me so much time. The workouts are great. It's all these great video instructors and it's super affordable. It's so much cheaper than the other solutions. I bought another solution. I don't want to mention the name, but another kind of like pulley system with chains and all this other nonsense. I haven't touched it. It's getting dust. I'm going to donate it to like the local fire department or something because the tonal is so much better. So find out why Men's Health called the Tonal the smartest home gym you've ever seen. And you can try it risk-free for 30 days. Whenever you see that risk-free on one of these big ticket items that you have to install, you know something is up. It means they're super confident you're going to love it. So visit T-O-N-A-L.com, Tonal, T-O-N-A-L.com to learn more. And I want you to use the promo code TWIST and they'll give you 100 bucks off of all those uh, smart accessories. That's Tonal, T-O-N-A-L.com. Use the promo code TWIST. The AI coach, the sleek world-class design, all of it is beautiful, and I'm in love with it. I had the founder on the podcast back in 2018, and I've been so impressed with this product. Uh, I bought one, and I love it. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to This Week in Startups. Alex Mather is here. Thanks for doing the pod. You don't do many pods. No, I'm, I'm, a, I'm pretty shy. Keep your head down kind of yeah, guy? Yeah, I'm pretty busy and shy. <laughs> How do you manage... 500 writers having not come in. You didn't come from the media business. Nope. How have you, what have you learned about managing 500 writers? Most people would say it's like herding cats. They all have an opinion. The opinions are going to be super varied and they all think they're smarter than you. Uh, And in some cases that might actually be true. Having worked with a lot of writers, (laughs) these are smart people. They are. How do you manage 500 of them? Um, So, uh, you know, it's controlled chaos, but I did manage designers and engineers in mm. San Francisco. Also yep. very smart. Opinionated. Also opinionated. Yeah. Also tough to manage. Um, not too different, really. Mm. Um, and you know, what I would say is like, uh, this is going to sound very Silicon Valley, but we've taken a much more of an OKR approach to the business. Like, gotcha. Like very, very numbers-oriented, how can we break the year up into chunks that make sense? Mm. And for an NHL writer, that's different than a college basketball writer. But how yeah. can we break it into like things like off-season, pre-season, season, post-season, that kind of thing? And then you give them some goals as to how many stories, yep. how many readers make it to the end of the article. That's right. So most of our focus is on three things. Number one is productivity. Like we have to, we you have to hit our baseline productivity, but that productivity is—is is that like a word count? No, just number of stories. Number of stories, and and so that which is per- what one a day. No, it varies per sport, but um, you know, what it's about twenty-five percent of what another company's productivity, yeah, goals would be. Yeah, because so. they're going for break the. St- th- this is a direct result of what Peter Rojas did at Engadget when we when he was running Engadget, and he previously created Gizmodo. He was like, okay, the iPhone's coming out. We're going to do these 25 stories about the iPhone. Unboxing he created, the live (laughs) keynote, the accessories, the operating system. And he would map out these are the 25 stories. 
so that they could have excellence on each one. And then as a, un, a delightful uh, ramification of that was we would beat Walt Mossberg <laughs> because he would write one story about the iPhone two weeks later. We yep. would write 25 when it was launched and then another 25. We had the structure. We'd do 50 of them and then SEO would be bonkers. Yep. Because you're like, we, iPhone 3, we, battery life. We try to marry a little bit of those two, right? Yeah. One's not right, right? Or one's not wrong. Um, yeah. um, what we say is like, like, don't chase everybody else in the locker room. Mm. If everyone else is going to go put a microphone in front of Steph Curry, you know, yeah. go, to, go talk to Clay, right? Yes. Go, you know, go talk to Draymond, right? Yeah. Get a story. Mm. Um, so at the core of what we do is storytelling, that we, where we try to be different. But you know, back to how we think about productivity, engagement. So you know, as we go into the millions of subscribers, engagement becomes the most important thing possible. Right? And defining engagement... What are the yeah, factors for engagement that matter? Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's this, important this is because a fun one. I'm an investor in Medium. Yeah. And Kyle Evan Williams started yeah. it. And his thing when he was starting was we're tracking how far down the story you get. Yes. Time on page. And that was, he's like, just wanted to see what percentage complete and read the story. Yeah. That's it, important. And they've done some really cool things around thinking about that problem. And, yeah. and so we look at a bunch of things. Number one is um, of the percentage of active users for the teams you cover, Percentage how? of active users for the teams you cover. So, so if Knicks, you're a Knicks fan. Oh, God. I am. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, if I'm you're sorry. a Knicks fan, how many Knicks fans were active this week? And then what percentage of them read your story that week? Oh, nice. At that moment in time. Mm. And so we're not penalizing you if the folks aren't active because the team might stink. I don't know about the Knicks, but your team might stink. I think we're um, one and eight. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, <laughs> it's going to pull up. Uh, oh, not with the, well, not with the oh, poor Zingas no. story. Come oh, on. No. I just read this this morning. I had to get like two paragraphs in oh. and I almost threw my 38-inch yeah. monitor. I can imagine. Um, but, so that's number one is how many of them engaged this week? Right, uh-huh. so we're not going to penalize if your team stinks. Um, number two is how, how far do they get in the story? Mm. We actually have, if you scroll down to the bottom of a story, we have MPS on stories. Right. Um, it's, how likely you refer this to a friend? Well, it's it's kind of like MPS. You it's say our, like, something else. We say like, what oh, do you think? Oh, it's your story. Yep. And and so it's a, our little version of MPS. There we go. Uh, awesome. And so I didn't realize you got Frank Isola. Yeah. So yeah, he he's is on so TV. great because Dolan hates him so much, and then he hates Berman. Yeah. There's a lot. Mark of, Berman of the Post. There's a lot of so animosity he, there. I follow Frank. I follow Frank and Mark Berman on the Knicks on Twitter, and Frank disses Mark Berman every chance he gets, <laughs> but he doesn't at mention him. So what I do is I say, "You forgot to at mention at Berman." <laughs> But I do it, I've done it 50 times. <laughs> well, thanks for driving engagement in some of our it's people. It's called trolling. Yeah, I know, I know. When you're a Knicks fan, <laughs> it's literally all you have. And to Twitter, that's called it's engagement. It's all we have. Um, and so uh, so number two is, you know, uh, like how far, how much do you engage with the story? Number three is community. Are people engaging with your stories? Are you engaging with them in the comments? That's one of our differentiators. Mm, yeah. If you're a Frank Asola fan, you can talk with him. In the comments. So access. Access. And access so, means so. And they're given the time to read and reply to comments. I mean, just think about a journalist's life. How many times a day are they on Twitter responding to people? Oh, my God. It's all day long. Right. And so. It's ridiculous. How do, how do these journalistic <laughs> enterprises allow people to do that much and so little on their own We side? should be talking about their mental health because Twitter of course. is, you know, it can sway you quite often during the day. Um, but, you know. The, we asked them spend a few minutes a day go into the comments and talk to the people who are paying our bills right mm. and so that's you been, actually encourage yeah. them to do the q a sessions like you that's do right. ask me anything exactly and it's yeah. been so effective we've brought down the server a few times with some 
big names in, in the UK and it's been really fun. That's interesting. What do you think of Twitter's impact on journalists and their mental health? Because this seems to be an acute problem. Well, first of all, I think Twitter has been the best thing to hit journalism ever. Why? Because it's it's replaced RSS feeds for all of us, right? Mm-hmm. We all used to read our RSSs. I miss RSS. Yeah, me too. I was a little more sane then um, because I really couldn't see what I didn't subscribe to. Uh, yeah. uh, but, uh, you know, it has been just a, a wonderful place to see the news unfold. Mm. To, if something's happening, there's no better place in the world. You know it. You go straight to Twitter. Yeah. You're not going anywhere else. The news article on the fastest website might come up 15 minutes later, mm. right? And that's a poorly edited story, right? Mm. Twitter is where it happens. So it's an incredibly powerful tool, incredibly important for journalism. Mm. Um, that said, the externalities of of some of the behavior on Twitter where everything becomes binary. Like the behavior so is so binary. And if, if we're all just attacking each other, uh, that's, that's just not a life I want to live. Uh, and yeah. I, I, so I try to limit my exposure to But also it. sports is so cantankerous. Like you have the joyful ringer team. Yeah. They seem to not get into it with people. They seem to... Just live for, I think they must have like a handbook that says, just always be positive and obsessed with sports. They just love what they do. They just love what they do. Yeah, they love what they cover and they're very good at it. They're great. Yeah, they're They're great. great. Absolutely. But then you have the deadspin, deadspin dipshits who are like angry at the world and they all get fired. Right. For basically being at war with the people in the private equity firm that- are trying to save their jobs. And I, I did this tweet on, I don't know if you saw it on Friday or I Thursday. I, I did a tweet where I was just like, if this matters so much to people, the Deadspin thing is trending. Why don't they start a Patreon or a Substack and so, capture yeah. $25,000 a month in subscribers and they could pay five of them and yep. then they own 100% of the publication? Yeah, I mean, Deadspin has an, uh, oh, here's De- my tweet. Deadspin has a brand that people love uh, and, um, and they absolutely, my guess is if they did that, there would be a lot of interest because people, I mean, they had a very unique voice in the space. Yeah. And uh, my guess is it would be effective. It would totally be effective. Yeah. Uh, and Substack and- Will Leach started it. Yeah. Exactly. Will worked for me at Silicon Alley Reporter for a year or two, and he started his Life of a Loser blog where I didn't know he had that, you know, his blog? Yeah. And he was writing about me as like his like anonymous boss a couple times. It was pretty funny. I did not know that. Uh, and then he pitched Denton and I on the sports blog, and I offered him more money than Denton, and he went with Denton. No comment. <laughs> it was a big mistake because Peter Rojas and the other guys uh, made millions of dollars because I gave them equity. Equity is a powerful thing. And you know, I think if you have a powerful brand, you can take advantage of that. And yeah. I think- Places like Medium, Substack, Patreon have given folks a, a way to take a lot of that stress out of the business side of things. And yeah. Do you see that as a competitor to what you're doing That in that if somebody really is driving subs at your publication they, and they build up their Twitter, they could go be independent? And, and has that happened to you? Uh, we see the opposite, frankly. Oh, people try to do it on their own, get to 20,000, and then they come to you. And then we can we quickly understand how we can pay them better. And they don't have to worry about it. They don't have to write every day. 
you know, they're uh, not they many people. Yes, they get benefit. They get editors. They have teammates. Uh, yeah, see, it's, it's not many people are like Ben Thompson or you who can yeah. are prolific, right? Like but it's also lonely too. Yeah. You know, and yeah. you want to talk to other people. This is yep. one of the things about being indie. It seems like a great idea until you're alone in your underwear for the hundredth day <laughs> and you're like, I haven't showered. Fifty percent bump on stories that have multiple bylines in terms of subscribers really? driven for us. So when ah. p- people work together on our team, amazing things happen. Mm. So, you know, we generally look at things like, you know, Patreon and Substack as as feeder systems for us. What's the playbook for scouting new talent? I mean, I know you guys just cleaned up when ESPN was like, yeah. we're going to get rid of all the people you love. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a multi-phase process that like, you know, unfortunately, the environment was such that you had some really great writers being let go everywhere. And whether it be a newspaper, a blog, a magazine like SI, or a television company like Fox, mm-hmm. right? You have all these places that are not spending as much money on the written word or journalism. And so here we are as a play, a, land, a really nice landing um, spot for them. Um, and that was 2017 really um 2018 and 19 has been the we flipped it i think for many people not everyone of course in the world but for many people who love what they do and want to do the best work of their career we're a beacon so like any company in the beginning you have to earn it yeah once you earn it you become the place where people want to come see people don't understand how powerful that is instead of having to search for deal flow instead of having to search for talent the talent is in the lobby that's right and that's what happened to netflix is at HBO previously is that once Netflix started paying people well and the prod and they gave them creative freedom, the Netflix lobby in LA is known for being just a place where people hang out. Right. Talented yep. people. That's right. And, and it actually happens in venture capital too. Like first five years of angel investing, I was searching for companies. Last five years, I'm sorting. I mean, and I can guarantee you the best way that you get deals yeah. is word of mouth. People saying- Literally people stopping me on the street. Or emailing me. Yeah. And so word of mouth from our journalists to others mm. goes so far mm. in them deciding to leave a job of 30 years. Mm. Right. We went over to the UK. We hired 60 people in three months mm. from the best, best uh, outlets there. And they talked to dozens of our folks in the US. How do we treat them? Is this for real? Um, yeah. No, that's it's a legitimate question. Like, is this real? Right. Or is this going to be BuzzFeed again? Right. And because so BuzzFeed and Vox, not Vox, Vox is good. Jim Bankoff is the guy who bought Weblogs Inc. and then took the entire Weblogs Inc. team and created <laughs> The Verge, which I give him credit for. Smart move. Um, the, the, um, the Vice and the BuzzFeed uh, growth, the hyper growth and the hyper funding of those, I want to know if that's been a disaster or a great thing for media when we get back. The ultimate hack for being more productive is for you to get better sleep. As a founder, as a team member at a startup, as a venture capitalist investor, you need sleep because you need to make great decisions, sharp decisions, and you need to have your energy and your mojo when you get to the office. Well, if you don't sleep, what happens? We've all been there the anxiety, you're up all night, and then you start thinking about sleeping, and then you don't sleep because you're getting anxiety. Well, I have the solution for you. It's called Eight Sleep, and it's the first bed engineered to improve your sleep. I love this product so much that after using it for a month, my wife and I fell in love with it, 
We started giving it as gifts to people and I actually invested in the company. Listen to this. Customers who sleep on the pod fell asleep 15% faster. That is a noticeable difference. Eight Sleep is a sleep company and the people who use Eight Sleep, they toss and turn 25% less and they have a 17% increase in periods of deep sleep. I know this because in the app, it tells you all this data and it is awesome. And all of this in a very comfortable bed. And the thermal alarm will wake you up naturally by changing the temperature. Because if it's cold, your heart rate goes up and then you start to wake up. So supercharge your health and productivity like I am. Get the sleep you need and deserve by heading to 8sleep.com slash twist. E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash twist. Try the product risk-free for 100 days. I'm not just reading you the ad. I am a super fan of the company. And now, yum, yum, I was able to get a little slice of their last round. And I put a couple hundred grand in because I love this product so much. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. All right, listen, if you haven't signed up for The Athletic and you like any type of sport, go to theathletic.com right now. Click on the 50% off and sign up. It's absolutely the best sports content tied for me. With the ringer. Oh, we'll take that. Thank you. And unbelievably better than SB and this other horrible stuff. What's the other one that got bought that that kid from Bustle created? What was that one called, Nick? Uh, what Bleacher was Report? Bleacher Report. That is the worst schlock in the world. I know you can't say that because you're being magnanimous. <laughs> you know, I almost went, I emailed Google News and asked, that Bleacher Report be removed. <laughs> That's how much I hate that. Do you um, know why? Why is that? I'm at the World Series of Poker. Okay. Ten years ago. I have no idea where this story's going. <laughs> and I'm checking my phone. Okay. Because today is the day of the decision. Oh, okay. I know where this story's and going. And LeBron James picks the Boys and Girls Club right outside of White Plains where the practice facility is. And I get three or four people in the know in New York texting me, it's a done deal. LeBron is coming to the Knicks. And I open my BlackBerry and I check my newsfeed and it says, LeBron James coming to the Knicks. Breaking news. And I click the link on Bleach Report. And you know what the first sentence says? That's what every Knicks fan hopes to hear in oh one hour. Oh, my goodness. That's writing a check you can't cash. <laughs> oh, my God. It was crazy. I literally know the guy who was running Google News. And I said, you have to take this schlocky garbage. Look what they're doing. And then I found 10 examples of this garbage website doing the same technique. Wow. Which is lying in the headline to get the clicks. And I said, yeah. How can you allow this fake news? That is before uh, fake news. The they were fake of news. Yeah. Before fake news. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. You, four or five years ago, we had BuzzFeed and Vox on a crazy trajectory. These things were going to become $25 billion businesses, and people put hundreds of millions into it. The venture community then realized that that's not how this works. Those companies have since taking major haircuts and valuations and are probably in arguably a death spiral because they raise at such high valuations that they can't ever have those investors get the return they expected. And now they're going to be caught between the expectation of those people and the reality of the business. What has that done 
in the ecosystem in terms of media? And how do you look at those businesses that just went so big? Because you must have been thinking as you're starting, well, maybe I just get a $300 million check <laughs> and do this. Just trying to get a couple hundred thousand dollars. But, yeah. um, you know, I think it's complicated, right? I don't, I don't know the cap tables of those companies. I don't know uh, how they're going. But uh, I think they've created companies that will last um, will they be as big as anyone hoped? I don't know. Mm. Um, I'm an optimist. I hope they do. Mm. Uh, I, I don't hope anyone fails. Uh, it's as you know better than almost anyone on earth. It's really hard to figure out how much money to raise as a company. It's, it's the Goldilocks. You've too raised little. ninety. Yeah, we've raised ninety, and it's it's not simple. It's too little or too much. It's you know how do you capitalize the business perfectly? Very few do that, right? So um, I think you know that ev everyone perhaps got on a hype cycle, and perhaps they overcapitalized. Yeah, uh, and perhaps took money. I mean, if you get down to the root of almost a lot of this Silicon Valley evil, is people taking money from people who they shouldn't be taking money from. Yeah, it's not really that complicated. Uh, venture yeah. is pretty efficient. Uh, and yeah, it's to date. It's been a very efficient structure because the investors only get paid on the increase in value, with the exception of people who are washing money. Who, if they get 50 cents back on the dollar, they've washed it and gotten it out of the country they were in. That's okay. And so you have folks who have different incentives with their capital yeah. that perhaps are putting a lot of money into these companies. Um, and that's, I think, where most of the problems are coming from. Now, what has it done to the industry? It's, it's really messy. I mean, there's not really a playbook for a digital media company to start now. Mm. You know, I think Bustle's doing what it can, and I think they're doing a wonderful job at what they're doing. But outside of that, it's really hard to create an advertising-built business. Why? Uh, Why is it so hard to make advertising work in these publications today? I mean, Facebook and Google, right? That's like the simple version. They take, they take, they've taken all the wind out of the sails of any advertising business online, Yeah, right? And rightfully so. They've built amazing products. Mm. If I'm buying ads, I'm buying it there, Yeah, right? That's really simple. Uh, and if if every company wants to buy ads from them, then you know what's everyone else left to do? It's probably to to you know join forces um, and you know form bigger conglomerates of of these companies together. Um, and I I don't see a future. I think if I look twenty years out from now, I do not believe that advertising supported digital media will produce quality content, and there will be significantly less of that content. And that's can, can you get to ten million subscribers? Yes. Yeah. So you can 10x from here. Absolutely. What is it going to take to do that? What's the timeline? What's time. The, yeah. what, what <laughs> Mostly you time. Take yeah, a decade? Yeah, maybe more. Maybe more. Um, but, you know, I think patience, focusing in on, on, on the economics of the business, not getting too ahead of ourselves, mm. uh, you know, getting to profitable as soon as we can and feeling like we, we control. You're close. Our, yeah, we're not too far. You're not too far. And you raised 90 million. Yep. And you have the best investors in the world. Yep. Founders Fund. Founders Fund is, is amazing. And yeah. Well, they're contrarian. Yep. And so that's the perfect How many investor investors say they want to be contrarian and then at the end of the day, they're not? They're uh, like, tell me about your photo sharing app. Yeah. Uh, tell, tell me about, about your, your SaaS product. Yeah, exactly. Um, and um, you know, tell me about whatever strategy is hot right now. What's your AI like? Um, I don't well, yeah. Machine learning and AI is just like literally uh, I have the ultimate way. You, if you ever want to get into angel investing – all I say to people when they bring up AI and machine learning, I said, oh, okay, who on your team does that? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, we have an open position for that. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, Rex. So we really you're an AI machine learning 
version of Salesforce. <laughs> without AI. Without or... an AI or machine learning person. Yep. And then sometimes they're like, well, I am. I went for machine learning. I went to Stanford. And, and, and I'm Stanford. aspirationally six feet tall. Um, exactly. So, uh, I'm playing point guard for the Knicks. Exactly. Uh, you know, I think, um, you know, it's patience. It's focus on quality. Not chasing trends uh, you know i joked about the we work slides but it's simplicity it's like just be a good business treat your employees well let's let's talk about 20 years from now and i think um you know our folks have bought in mm-hmm. and let's just continue to march uh subs in the app store have gone completely bonkers yeah uh, we were the first investors in calm.com congratulations yeah that worked out i know yeah i've no i've just been following the business because they have just done incredibly well very scrappy marketing team very wonderful product great subscription business yeah they uh nobody believed in that product yeah and somebody wrote on cora well jason calacanis was four hundred thousand dollars investing in common i like wrote my rebuttal and i was like phil jackson got kobe and Shaq to do meditation and sam harris is studying it at ucla i think it's I think it could be meditation and mindfulness could work. It's important. Oh, yeah, we're all going well, a little crazy. Aren't and we? then Trump got elected, yeah, and they became app of the year. And so you never know with these investments. <laughs> I have never put those two items oh, together. Oh, hundred percent. Oh my goodness. Uh, I mean, have you been able to sleep? <laughs> I mean, do you listen to Rachel Maddow putting you to bed every night and then grind your teeth? I have a nine-month-old son. I do not sleep. You don't sleep anyway, no. so you're all set. <laughs> oh, here it is. Was investing. Was investing facilitating a 50K investment overall, 400K investment, including backers and calm, a meditation app, a good move by Jason Calcatus. And here's my rebuttal. My job is to find the binary projects like Uber that most folks don't understand until they change the world. I mean, isn't that the key, right? It has to be non-consensus until it's consensus Look, at some point. Yoga and $4 coffees are examples of crazy trends from the 80s that have become something almost everyone has either tried or participated in. 1987, the idea of spending $3 on a 25 to 50 cup of Joe was insane. I thought that was a pretty good rebuttal. It really is. And I, believe I was it. right. Because you I know the thing it. is, you only have to be right once. But you don't have to, I mean, let the uh, let the cap table handle that rebuttal. This is hilarious. Look at this. Of course, I think it has a 70% chance of becoming a $100 million plus business that I might get my investors at 10 to 25x. It's 200x. It's a lot bigger. Hey, <laughs> and it's a $1.2 billion business. Congratulations. It worked out. Uh, and we look at them as, you know, we we look at them as a, a pioneer in subscription, and they've done incredibly well in the App Store. Do you um, get App Store subs? Uh, something about a third of our subscribers come from from and the App Store. Happy to pay Apple thirty percent and then fifty. I mean, happy is uh, an exaggeration. We are willing to pay that money. Um, yes. You'd be happier if it was half. I'd be happier if it was market, but you know they've created what their would own market. market. Be ten three. Oh. oh, you like a credit, credit card. card processor. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> I think it's worth it. I've had this discussion with many founders. I 100% agree it's worth it, to be clear. Because if you give them their VIG, they will feature you. Yes. And they will contact you and they will work with you. I love the folks I work with at Apple. They're wonderful people. Easily. They provide value. Yeah. It's not even close. They believe in in like... You know, this is going to sound like I'm kissing their butt, but um, well, let's you do know. it. Uh, no, I, I want to get important. I want to get this podcast featured again. That's no. been like six months, guys. I, I think it's really important. Like the, we were moving as a as a society towards like really shitty products for a long time, yeah. really cheap shitty things. Um, yeah. Whether schlock. yeah, schlock watches that were ten cents, right? Whatever. Um, they came along and created the best product in the history of products. 
Period. Yes. The and then they just continue to create products that are worth paying high margins for. Right. Right. Like, well, worth are, it. well, worth, it's not even close. Right. Like yeah. it's not even close. And okay. look people, at any company now. They're 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 spending money on their packaging now. Right. People have realized the, the, the world has moved away from excess to quality. I mean, and Sony, I think that's a really big deal. Sony Walkmans used to come in plastic that you needed to have industrial strength scissors to cut open. I, I, and then half the people opening it would wind up with a cut. <laughs> and then 10% of those would wind up in the emergency room getting stitches because they sealed it in this ugly plastic. Now you open it up, you feel like it's a fabric. There's like a, you just pull a string and yeah, music and I just, plays. And I love the delight. Yeah. You know, the, uh. the, the thing that's the most satisfying is when you peel the plastic <laughs> wrapping your airpods you know, oh it just snaps off it's amazing but you know that's the business we want to create too is yeah. we want to bring quality to media in the same way they did mm. that to physical products and that's been important to us yeah and so i'm willing to pay it what's love the, them what's the equivalent <laughs> of the unboxing experience for you in editorial yeah i think what we try to do and this is an ongoing experiment but like if you join our product and you, you're a Knicks, Giants, Warriors. Knicks, Giants, Yankees. Yankees. Rangers, oh, you're likable. That's New York. <laughs> now, if my grandfather was still alive, yeah. the rest of the would be Mets. Okay. Because he had the Dodgers and yep. the Mets. But my dad was Yankees, so it was a little bit of a problem. Um, and then on Monday, I guess, there it is. Giants, Knicks, Rangers, Yankees. So even my nephew yep. is uh, in line with the proper order. So, you know. We've done some incredible journalism on those teams mm. that might have been a year ago, mm. two years ago, whatever. Um, I know Mark Carrig wrote a story with Eno Saris about the, the Yankees that was wonderful, right? It might be a year old at this point, right? Mm. And uh, so how do we delight you in your first week and give you stories that just like make you feel like you just made the best decision of your life? Oh, so if I sign up and follow the Warriors and Knicks, which is what I did, yes. you just email me so and say- So Kevin Durant, we did the Hamptons 5 story, Yeah, right? A wonderful story. Clay playing tennis, getting yeah. the gardener to play tennis with him. Yeah. I mean, how charming is Clay, right? He's the greatest. Um, yeah. And, I have some great Clay stories. Uh, <laughs> um, off the record, I'm sure. Um, I and so, um, uh, So, uh, you know, can we get you those stories- once you read those stories, you're like, I love this product. It's for me. Stranger Things. If you watch Stranger Things in your first week of Netflix, are you ever leaving? No. Right? Like that soundtrack, just play it. Just like if you're yeah, in my veins. If you're right? in like, like an 80s kid, it is yeah, literally like hitting every note. Yeah, the, the season three, I mean, it felt like it was made for me. I, I, no spoilers. My wife and I haven't caught it. I won't say anything. I won't say anything. But you'll love it. It's going to be amazing. How do you handle the leagues? Because you have no tie to them other than yeah. access. Yeah. But people do play access games as of course. Mr. Dolan does, <laughs> um, which he should just be banned for like these access games that he plays. Yeah. Um, I, I'm considering committing Nick's suicide, Sapuku, this year. So I have a question for you. Yeah. Mayor of San Francisco or Mayor. owner of the Knicks? Yes. Both. <laughs> what order? Let's go. Let's go. I can never own the Knicks, yeah. no matter how much my net worth goes up. The NBA goes up faster, yeah. so it's it's a it's, lost cause. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I literally, it's yeah. a loss. And they don't let you pass the hat anymore. So the sports teams used to let you pass the hat, um, where like what you could just get. Tell like, us what that means. The normal people on earth. What does that mean? So Wick Grossback and oh, I know Wick. Uh, yeah, Wick from uh, the Celtics. He got a group of fifty people together. Everybody put in oh, five yeah. million dollars. Yeah. He bought the Celtics. Yep, oh, I see. He becomes the owner. You pass the hat. Got it. Warriors, Joe Lacum. 
past the hat, Chamath and a bunch of other people put money in. And then a bunch of people like Chad Hurley and other people put in like literally a million or $5 million and they own one basis point, at uh, one point, 50 basis points, whatever it is. So they have an ownership team that comes to every game, sits in the front row. Now my understanding is you have to be bomber and be able to pay for the whole thing yourself. They don't want these ownership groups. Being so diluted down by so many people. Uh, yeah, I think they just want to be able to go to one person and say, yeah. okay, bomber, do this, or okay, yep, Russian oligarch, do that. Yep. Mark Whatever. Cuban, right. Yep. Mark Cuban. They, they want that prototype, yep, I think, totally. which means the Knicks at $7 billion or $4 billion, $5 billion, whatever it winds up going for, I oh. mean, Bezos can buy it. Right. Elon can buy it. He right. didn't care about sports. But Bezos, could, I think Bezos is the likely, that's what I've heard on the inside, is that Bezos is going to buy it because uh, he's spending more time in New York. So wow. Beza, I mean, you can have that for the athletic, but um, anyway, that's the rumor amongst the insiders that I know is that Bezos Working is circling, on it. Um, and that would be great to dunk on AOC. <laughs> can you imagine she banned the Knicks, and then he invites her to sit courtside? Whoa! What do you think about the China situation? Because sure. you don't care about your. You don't, you're not beholden to the league like ESPN is. No, we have no like ESPN, outside money. You don't care. No, we don't care. So what do you personally feel about that situation, how it went down? Daryl Morey should be sanctioned and fired or celebrated? Uh, you know, my personal opinions around the political situation aside, I think it's shining a light on something that's important to talk about as yes. a country, which is where's your money coming from, right? Yes. You know, where... You know, who are you beholden to and why? Right. And where are your values? And, uh, you know, there's, you know, there's a spectrum of all these things. There's no right or wrong. These are complicated situations. Uh, and, you know, we always ask ourselves at our company, which is like, let's make sure our money is coming from places where we can always be objective. Always. Always. Whether it be leagues, whether it be other companies, whether it be countries, mm. right? How can we be objective? And if you can't, then then you're in a really tough spot. It's going to come back to bite you. You see all these cases of cover-ups, right? Whether it be, uh, you know, universities and things. Don't, don't, don't hide. When you hide, the, the light will find its way. Yes. And it's finding its way to a really really complicated situation where there's a lot of people making a lot of money off of a lot of places that are doing really bad things. And these it's are complicated. Gnarly. It's really gnarly. It's it's hard to unwind. It's hard to unwind 10 years from, from Yao Ming to now of building up this business in China only to realize that if you even modestly, modestly are in pro-human rights in China – that they will yank the chain and they've got the NBA on a leash yeah. and they are yanking the chain now. And my God, for LeBron James, a billionaire. It's complicated. It, honestly, it is not. Uh, you, I think you're being magnanimous, Alex. For me, it's not complicated at all. If you make a billion dollars and 300 million of it comes from China and then as a billionaire, you made all that money and power and influence and then you have to kowtow? Yeah. Who cares about the last 300? It's the first 100 that matters. I, you know, I personally very much agree with you. Um, that said, from a big business perspective, I mean, it's complicated. You know, I, you know, I think the the complicated part is you have athletes 
being put on the spot, right? It's hard to talk about this stuff because what I mean when it's complicated, it's hard. There's people in the country that lives are at risk, right? Oh, yeah, that that is that, complicated. It's, yeah, it's really complicated for the players to talk about the coaches, you know, poor Steve Kerr, right? Like that was so, yeah. like it's complicated for these folks to represent at all moments, everyone representing all things, mm. right? It's really hard. Yeah, to have a unified voice when you've been basically turning a blind eye. And my, yeah, my wife's family is from Hong Kong. It's, yeah. it's, com- it's a really bad situation. It, no one wins in these, like, you know, when we talk about sports at The Athletic, the only thing, we don't care who wins and loses. We just, like, the only thing that really, really, really sucks is when people get hurt. You know, that just, like, play when pl- the best players on earth get hurt. It, like, oh, it's just... It's just negative. Like there's yeah. no positive to right. any of that, right? And I think of things like this as just negative. It's, it, you know, when there's bad things happening in the world, it's just negative. There's no positive to it at all. It just shows though, when you engage with people who have human rights violations and stuff like that, and they're using their money to mask the human rights violations, then what happens is we as Americans go from being the beacon of hope in the world to the sellouts. Yep. I mean, we sell out every day as humans, though, when we buy, when we want our things to be cheap. Yep. And, you know, are we willing to pay the money when folks in these countries aren't making the product, right? It's it's all, we're in a, you know, globalization has created a really complicated world. Mm. And it does. All of us have to ask those questions now. And the the light is very, very bright. How do you think? Do you have journalists in China? Uh, We did. Yes. You did? Oh, you did? During the during the controversy, we had multiple folks there, and so it was complicated for us too. Did you not cover it because you oh, were we f- covered it. You covered it. Yeah. Does that mean those journalists are at risk in some way for covering it? I mean, we have to be very careful huh. um, with folks on the ground uh, and what they do and how they act. And can you have people on the ground as journalists in China? Even it seems yeah, like they go along with the teams. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a wonderful experience for them to, to see the part of the But these are world. American writers? Or yes, are, of course. Uh, so yeah. American writers there, you feel safe? Uh, we Now that they're home, yeah. <laughs> ah, but if you had an opportunity, Baidu, whoever comes in with the big dollars, let's just pick a company, Alibaba, whoever, and they uh, say, here's $200 million. We're starting it locally. I watched uh, the last episode of Silicon Valley. Um, I didn't. I didn't. I'm not up oh, on the season. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, great. There, there was a. There was a very. They're going very, China. There, no, but Similar. I think it was a Chilean miner uh, family. Um, but uh, you know, how I would, would you hope, look at that? I mean, you're you're you're, I, you're in the board meeting. They offer you 200 million to start the JV. You own 51 percent of it. Do you want to have 100 writers there and then manage that risk? And answer to the Chinese government, and then you say something out of line, and you got to worry about your people. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think. It you know it's very complicated. I don't have an answer for that now. I, I would hope that you know we're focused on English speaking countries now. Yeah, and then go <laughs> uh, for German, a lot of the, uh, for a lot yeah things like that. For a lot of the, these reasons, we're focused on subscription, and subscription is for us right now is really focused on countries that are less of like the China demographic. The, yeah, they don't even have credit cards yet, so it it's makes a very it different. Hard to subscribe you've you got to tie card. in to a lot of their media yeah. companies. There, um, we're we're a simple company with a simple business model. We We'd rather stay in places that that we yeah. can control. See, I think when you're dealing with these countries, their engagement can lead to the issue being put in the table and a slow change. So you think about the iPhone. If the iPhone wasn't made in China, we could be in a full-scale, like, serious conflict with them. But because it's there and there's so much at stake, we kind of have to work it out because they need to make the iPhones and we need to buy them. Yep. 
And so it's very complicated. So there's an example of engagement actually leading probably net net to, to things getting better. Positive, yeah. Because Tim Cook is saying, hey, you've got to treat the workers better. So it's kind of- I mean, we're going through the longest period of peace. Globally. Yeah. And it's Which wonderful. Is Globalization is wonderful. It um, is. Um, but it's co- it's complicated. It's very complicated. Yeah. You pay more than any other outlet right now. My understanding is you pay 20% more than everybody? I don't have the exact numbers. It's hard to say. We, But that's a strategy. That is an absolute strategy for us. You know, It comes back to a theme I keep talking about, which is treat your people really well, and you'll get the best people over and over. Mm. And so that's our strategy, is just retain the best people uh, and bring on and retain the best people in the world. And we're not going to win every uh, competition for talent, but uh, we, we try to to be best in class in pay, benefits, work, environment, work, collaboration, equity. Yeah. All these things add up to an environment where we hope our employees are really, really happy. Are you dead set against ever having any advertising? No, we have advertising now on our podcasts. Oh, okay, great. So, so podcast you... Yeah. I mean, a healthy media company in the future has multiple revenue streams. But the foundation um, is this. The foundation is subscription. It will always be that. Mm. Uh, you know, could we do things like events? We've had events with hundreds of, or even events with thousands of people at them, right? Yeah. Um, are, are they big money makers? No, but they're really great for our subscribers, right? Yeah. And so they're really fun. I know, you know, you guys do some of that and like there's it's just such, such community there. And so we look into lots of other opportunities. We have newsletters that have millions of subscribers. I know. You guys do a good job teasing the content there yeah. and reactivating. Yeah, and so we have- You learned that we at Strava, act- didn't you? Yes, and we actually- Use a little bit of data science there. Explain, um, so Explain we, your reactivation technique. Yeah, so we, we really understand what you're reading right now. Mm. And so you might say you like those four teams, but right now you're only reading around the Knicks. Mm. And so we're constantly looking at what you're reading at right now mm. and trying to keep that going. So Got think it. of it as a thread that we're trying to just Got like pull. Yeah. And so we're constantly thinking about that. And we have a lot of folks focus on making sure that you open that email every day. And it's just been an incredible way of engaging our, our subscribers. Yeah, that is fascinating. It turns out that wagering on sports like gay marriage and cannabis, the entire country has flipped their position on it in, yeah. and the regulations have flipped yep. in both of those cases in our lifetime, Yep, which is kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, I come from a, you know- When were you born? 76, 77? 1980. Oh, 1980. Okay. So yeah, 10 so, years younger, you're 38, um, 39. And, yep. And so I come from a, uh, a Quaker town, well, like, you know, a Quaker area yeah. where, you know, you can't buy alcohol on Sundays and yeah. still- so the yeah. idea of gambling on a gay wedding yeah, where mean, everybody's smoking weed. Sounds amazing. Sounds amazing to me. Yeah. And here amazing. we are. Yeah. Um, How do you look at wagering? Because it's now going to be legal for the states to do it. Two-thirds yep. are doing it. And Adam Silver wants to move a team to Vegas and wants wagering in arena. I personally think it's great. Um, I think, uh, you know, we have to obviously look at the the negative externalities of it. But, you know, more money into the sports means, you know, hopefully tickets get cheaper or players, you know, we can bring on more things into the sport to make them better. So you wouldn't um, have a problem if an, a sports betting site wanted to be an advertiser or sponsor. You're totally cool. I, I mean... If it's legal. At 100%. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't think we have... We're not religious about it. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's... We have to like face the environment we live in. Are we going to be a 
A book? No. No, of course no, not. No, we're a media company. We're an yeah. objective company focused on journalism. But you could talk about the, do you talk about the lines? What's your instructions to the writers when talking about They can the do whatever they part? want. Do they? Um, they can. Um, some are more interested than others. Yeah. And if it performs well, they can do that. But, you know, in reality, we try to, you know, provide information. Right. Right. Um, how's Draymond looking at practice? Right. And we provide information that could be used for fantasy. It could be used for betting. It could be used just because you're a fan who cares about the outcome of a game because you love the team. Right. Mm -hmm. Whatever the reasons might be like, I think it's going to be a net positive if it brings more people into the sport. Mm -hmm. um, so On a scale excited. of one to Rodman, who's the most interesting in the league right now? In in the NBA, yeah. Let's talk about NBA because that is the phenomenon. I mean, I think scale it's, of one. To I think it's Rodman. Giannis. You think it's Giannis? Not because he's interesting personally, but because he is so. He is the mixture of everything. Everything that you would want in an athlete and a person, and he is so much better than everybody else. Yeah, and he's Greek, so that counts for a lot um, for me. And uh, there's something just like I, I like. Of course, like. A year ago, I would have said Steph Curry. Um, he's just a joy to watch. There's nothing better than with him being hurt, though. Um, you know, it's not as fun. Um, but Giannis right now, to me, I don't care for the controversy, all that stuff. You know, there's nothing better than a player so much better than everybody else who wants to win so badly. Yeah. And he wants to get better. He doesn't care about Instagram. He doesn't care no. about all that stuff. Four three-pointers the other night? I mean, I he's mean, just... A joy to watch. Yeah. Um, I will, I, it's like Peyton versus, you know, Brady at the. Peak. So if you're starting a franchise today, you get to pick two players. Yeah. It's obviously the Greek Freak. And it's and Steph. Then, yeah. And Steph. That's yeah. the two you put in. It's not even close. Even, oh, wow. You? It's definitely Giannis. Yeah. And then number two is a challenging one because um, you have to decide if Steph, because we're saying today. Yeah. Yeah. So Steph is a little older. Yeah. I think he just so, turned 30 or 31. Yeah, yeah, so do do you want to go with somebody who's 26 or 27? Who do you go with there? Yeah, and some people might say Kawhi mm -hmm. plus Giannis, but I don't know if they can share the ball perfectly. Yeah, I mean, we-, we Giannis were, and Towns? We did uh, the story on Boardman Gets Paid. Like, we were the origin of that story. Um, mm -hmm. That was a, a wonderful example of the type of work we like to do, and mm -hmm. like him holding up the NBA trophy with that, New Balance shirt with Boardman gets paid. It's a big moment for our company. Yeah. You know, like we wrote that story at a, the biggest moment in his career. He's wearing the t-shirt. Wait, what does Boardman mean? So he gets the he gets the rebounds. He's the oh, board got man. board man. Got so it. he used to say that he was he's yeah, a, the board you know, man. He's a character. Yeah, he is. Um, and so he would just say, "Board man gets paid. Board man gets paid." He's 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 a, he's a different 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 animal. What did you learn at Strava? What was the yeah? The biggest learning is like really simple: build something people want and love, and they'll pay you. Wow, it's not that complicated. You just have to be focused. If you can lose your focus so easily, if you build something really great yeah. that people with means mm. take out their credit card and pay you, yeah. you have a job forever. Um, and that's what I learned. And we built a subscription business from scratch there. I had no idea how to do the metrics, like the internal numbers. What are you talking? What are the KPIs? Like we're, this is 2010. All right. Right. Here we go. As we wrap up. Yep. We play the game. Uh-oh. Retweet. Yep. Like or block yep. or mute. All right. Let's see. What's the first tweet we got? I can't have blocks for nine months, so I want to hear this kid question whether i sacrifice for it. sm decent locks in san francisco where i'm in la right now 
Alex says, damn, 14 ethnicities have mastered the burrito in San Francisco. We can't get a decent bagel box of white fish. It is so true. It's not wrong. There's a place with bagels in Oakland. Yeah, yeah, I've been. You've been to that place. Yep, that's good. They're like good. Yeah, they're good. Not great. Yeah. I'm not, get, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting on that bridge. Oh, God, what a disaster that bridge is. <laughs> you know, it's the only place in the world where like the bridge shuts down because somebody ran into one of the pylons. Like, can you imagine somebody runs into a the pylon or the side of the Brooklyn Bridge or Verrazano Bridge and it, they stop turn it, it off and they well, stop it? They're like, you, yeah, nobody's going to work tomorrow. Yeah, what are we doing? What are we doing here? That's San Francisco. Yep. That's so, also San Francisco. It's a frustrating aspect of this wonderful city. Yeah. You can get a kimchi burrito. Yep. There's kimchi like, burrito. There's literally like every type of burrito you could ever imagine. You can literally get sushi rice yep. and Toro burrito. <laughs> they literally have that. Yep. Yep. Can't get a decent bagel. Whitefish is the thing. Come on. It's so cheap. It's so easy to make. Give me some whitefish. Yeah. yeah. Decent locks. Yeah. Come on. Kill us. Yeah. You get that? Yeah. All right. East Coasters. Um, and here's our next one. So anyway, I am I am retweeting that last tweet. Okay. I'll take Don't it. Don't worry. I'll There's take no it. Tweet. I mean, look at, all no the, look, at, look at all the engagement I get on my tweets. I know. It's incredible. Look I'm at a, you. I'm a big deal. You're literally, I, this is why your oh, company. Oh, there it is. This is why your company has, we just doubled the number of retweets and increased likes by 33%. I mean, I'm shy. You're, this is why your company is flirting with a million subs. Because you're not wasting your goddamn time on Twitter like me. Uh, no. I will respect the ish out of the first search up that launches the who you should stop following module. <laughs> I feel that way. You know what happened to me on the Twitter? It was the greatest thing ever. I was getting into it with all the like crazy historical libs. And I'm a libertarian and I say that. And then they have something called block together. And anyway, some hysterical group of people were like, okay, we have to get the people we don't like on this list. And they're like, okay. We got Shapiro. Okay, we got Milo. I guess he's banned. Okay, we got Cernovich. Okay, we got Trump. We got Trump Jr. Let's put Jason Calacanis on this. And I'm like, how do I get on that list? I'm not all right. Like all day long, I'm talking about how much I hate Trump. If you're they not on the list. for me or with me, you're against me. Exactly. Like you cannot be yeah. more. And I was like, oh my god, my Twitter, like overnight became, like sane, sane because yeah. I block the right wing maniacs or don't follow them. And then everything on the right became like, oh my God. Oh no, don't oh do that. Boy. Don't do that. Do not do a search for me plus Deadspin because those, those they don't like you. Entitled, they don't like me either. Uh, whatever. I'm, I mean, here's I'm the thing right. about the people Denton hired. I was in like a direct competition with Denton for many years and I crushed him. Engadget had five to 10 times the traffic as Moto when we were heads up. Autoblog had 50 times the traffic of Jalopnik. And Joystick had like 100 times Kotaku. So in three things we went heads up, we dominated him, and I stole all those people because I paid them more and I actually gave them equity. He promised them equity and paid him less. My favorite tweet ever. Oh, yeah, this is pretty great. John Iceman. Who's that guy? He's a union guy? Is he the union leader? Hoover over John Eastman. He's probably verified like 9,000 followers. Oh, he's got 9,000. Head of audience is social. Okay, so he works at Gizmodo. He's like, how's that Uber price doing? This guy's like, still 4,000 next for money invested. <laughs> Boardman yeah. gets paid. Boardman gets paid. But Denton really was an innovator at the time because he said whatever – the genius of Nick Denton was – you know Nick? I don't. Nick had a hypocrisy radar and a fascination with hypocrisy, an obsession in fact, 
that made him one of the great publishers of all time because he hired people. His reason to Etra was to hire people who were pissed off at the man and say, he would say to them, here's hypocrisy, go. And just find hypocrisy and call it out. And whatever people are talking about at the dinner party that they will not write, just ask journalists what they <laughs> won't write about and then we'll write about it. Interesting. Which is a double-edged sword because if you do that with the wrong billionaire <laughs> and yeah. you out him, yeah, it could go in a really bad direction for him. But I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. There I it need, is. I need to get that shirt. It's a cool shirt. Sold out. Only oh. available on stocks like SockX. For 38 bucks. Who's your team? You like the Warriors? Sixers. Sixers, all the way. You can't change teams. Uh, Who's so your number two? Warriors. Of course. Uh, they're originally from Philadelphia. Yeah. My wife is from Oakland. It's perfect. I mean, Steph Curry. Steph Curry is just amazing. Steve Kerr? These Steve are two Curry's of the best amazing. humans on earth. I, the thing I respect most about Steve Curry is he's like, yeah, I smoke a lot of weed. I, I roll the best joints. Like, why can't my players smoke weed? And it's like, Alonzo Mornings, poor liver. He was taking Motrin, like Patrick Ewing, Oakley, those guys – they said that they would put a bowl of Motrin and Advil out in the locker room and they would eat it like M&Ms. In 10 years, we will we will be looking at this the way we're looking at things like we did with normal people. Yeah. And, you know, Why, wagering. If they're it's trying, insane. Absolutely insane. Their bodies are getting beat up. They have, they have to do a pain management I mean, let's and just swelling. get Gavin Newsom on it. He, he fixed the NCAA. Did he? Yeah. I mean, the, the California law, now that, you know. There's, so know, wait, how did that change? Now NCAA, now NCAA is, can make money. The they can pay can make players. Yeah. That's a big deal. And what what did the, that uh, Romney was like? I'm concerned about players driving Ferraris. I'm like hedge fund guy. Yeah, I mean, people don't. They live get, in La Jolla. It's like, dude, <laughs> you're a hedge fund guy, and you're complaining about young black men driving Ferraris. Are you, how out of touch are you? Like, they earn the Ferrari, and it's a Bugatti. Come on. Yeah. I mean, be legit. It's a Tesla ludicrous I mean, Kobe's mode. generation was Ferraris. Now it's Bugattis. Uh, yeah. Crazy. I mean, it's very silly. How how does... Uh, do you know Bill Simmons in the ring? Or what, what? No. I mean, we no. love their work. Um, we it. started around the same time. Who do you respect most in media? Independent sports, not sports. Give me your top two or three. Who do you look at and go, killer job, yeah. got to study them? I mean, I've been studying, you know... Reed and the folks at Netflix. Plepler, I'm really excited about what he's going to do now that he's left HBO. Mm. Um, those are the two top of mind. What is Plepler doing now? Do he, I mean, I'm he hearing left? things, but I have no idea. Something. Huh. In, something. something. <laughs> it's not going to not work. He's too talented not yeah. you know, to not work. Um, you know, in, in more of the publishing, I mean, I'm, I'm incredibly in awe of what the New York Times has been able to do. Why? What have uh, they been able to do that's so interesting? I mean, they're just growing their subscription business. Amazing. I mean, it's that simple. It's 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 hard. Yeah. And they've pivoted. How many companies can take something that complicated and old and turn it around? Yeah. So I look at them as as a beacon of for others to say, you know what? Yeah. Paywall. <laughs> Washington right? Post. Uh, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, all double, triple their subscribers in the last five, ten years. Yeah. And that's all they needed to do this whole time. Yeah. 
And yes, there's their other revenue is shrinking very quickly, but they'll they'll figure it out. And I'm really encouraged by that. And obviously, the you know the, the other pioneers and what we're doing, like you know Jess Lawson at the information, it's not it's simple. Pretty it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. You know uh, the business of fashion. If you don't know this business, I do. I've heard of this one. Yeah, more of a trade pub, but incredible product. Can you build a great brand with a great business and in media? One of my writers who worked at Silicon Airport went on and did Skift. I don't know if you remember Rafat Ali. Yep, yep. So he was one of my original. Yeah, a a trade pub that trade pub that that focuses. They got profitable. They didn't overcapitalize. Right, figured it out. Yeah, my three writers, four writers. You're talking about reading. What's that? Zach Lowe is the guy that I read that's oh, outside yeah? the athletic. What, who, he writes for? ESPN. ESPN. Yeah. You can't get him? Bill Barnwell, others. Can't get times. Zach Lowe? It's tough. ESPN's what do they, they do? Like four or five year well, ESPN contracts? ESPN is a really tough competitor. Why? Why are they so tough? Because they can they put pay you well, on air? Just, yeah, they have a TV station. They have reach. They but do. you're starting to do video. Yeah, We're figuring it out. You, you know, do we it. don't have a television station. We don't have a cable network. Yeah, but look, I mean, I'm here in a studio. This costs 150000 to build a world-class studio that looks as good as ESPN, and you have 500 writers. Why don't you just put up eight hours a day of coverage? We might it will someday, cost you $1,000 an hour. Someday we might do that. It'll cost you $1,000 an hour because you already have the talent. They just come yeah. on and shoot the Someday ship. we might do that. All right. Listen. This is awesome. You did a great job on the pod. Thanks. Great job on the business. Thank you. And everybody who's listening, if you're a great writer... Uh, I'm sure Alex at The Athletic Works. Yeah, and if you have a, if you want to start a media company, put up a paywall. Put up a paywall. It's that simple. I, you know what? I've been doing Inside.com, and I tried to do both, and we made so much in advertising. We immediately got to $2 million in advertising, and now I'm like rethinking the whole thing. Well, that's the thing is the first $5 million, $10 million in advertising is easy. It is easy. It's really hard to flip To sustain. It. Yeah. And so now I'm trying to figure that out. Also, I, I, you know, I, may, I may have made a critical mistake because I went freelancers, because two years ago, I was like, there's more freelancers passionate who just want a third of a time job. So why don't we just give people 25K to do one newsletter for three or four hours a day? And they can do whatever That's they want. wonderful, yeah. And then while I'm doing that for the last two years, the entire media collapses. And now yep. everybody is saying- Full-time, full-time. Please full-time. let me be full-time and I'll write three newsletters. Yep. And I'm like, uh, okay, I think I made a critical error. Or the market changed. It's not simple. You need to balance. We have a lot of freelancers too who want that life balance, right? Yeah, but- it's the hard. full-time people, they produce three times as much. So you have to manage one relationship. And you get three times the output. Yep. As opposed to dealing with three personalities, doing one third, which then creates management overhead. It's hard. My management overhead it's, right now is really making hard. me crazy. Yeah, managing is really hard. You do your own podcast? You're doing it with Wondery. Uh, we have one podcast with Wondery called The Lead. Uh-huh. Uh, you should listen. It's free. It's an Apple podcast. I thought they were charging. No, it's Apple oh, Podcasts. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and then we have about 150 other podcasts for teams. Got so, it. you know, we're going to launch others soon. And like, you know, we we think about if you're a team, uh, a fan of the Knicks, we, long term, we want to create the best Knicks podcast. Yeah. And that'll be valuable to you. I love that there's like these crazy Knicks fans now and they're doing super cuts of the game yeah. that are better. Yeah. Than what MSG provides. And yep. I'm like, MSG, I used to go to MSG to watch the recaps because they yep. have the condensed yep, version. Yeah, exactly, the condensed games, yeah. And the condensed game, not as good as the editing skills of people doing it for free on the goddamn New York Knicks Film School at NYK Film School. Don't this put, kid don't they put some music on there amazing. too? And yeah, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you think of Knicks? Do you like RJ? I think the Knicks. Uh, no, let's talk players. RJ? Amazing. 
this kid might be better He's than amazing. Zion. I was talking. Wow, Zion hasn't played a game yet. Uh, let me tell you, I was talking to one of the top five players in the league. Okay. And I said to the, one of the top five players in the league, Zion RJ, how should I feel as a Knicks fan? He said, Zion has more upside, yep. but is not going to be able to stay on the court at 285 pounds. It's a big boy. RJ has less upside. This top five player in the league, and I said top five because I don't want to say top one or two, said the top that RJ is the safer bet and will likely have a much better career and will be the number one player on whatever team he's on. And I don't know if you've watched him. I have. In this season, he's, he's, he's a bit, he's, he's, he's a man. Yep. I don't know how old is he. Is he 19 or 20? I think he's 20. He's 20 and he is playing like a man. Yeah, I know. He's going to be, I think you've got a good one. I'm excited for. And the Porzingis trade yeah. is the worst trade in the history of the NBA? Uh, I cannot, last decade? I cannot imagine a scenario in which you would trade someone like Kristaps. I have no idea why you would want to trade someone like him. I literally almost puked when I saw it on good Twitter trending. I literally, it's a good friend of mine. I hate you, Mark, for that. But I, I'm literally almost puked. Then I almost cried. And then I almost- the stages of a Knicks fan. I literally felt, I, I physically felt like I was going to vomit. Then I got so emotional, I had to be alone. And then you got angry, didn't you? And then I got so angry yep. that I decided I am committing Nick Sapuku this year. I'm going to end on this. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. I'm going to the Knicks game this year. Uh-oh. I'm going to get a nice courtside seat for a nationally televised game. Like I had for the finals game. I had the seat next to the bench okay. of the... Uh, uh, who do we play? The Raptors? Raptors. I had the Raptors bench. And I'm literally... The coach and me next to each other Uh-oh. in the first row. Nick so I'm going to get that seat Okay. next to the Knicks, the other side. And I'm going to take my jacket off at, uh, during the commercial break or whatever, timeout. And it's going to just say, sell the Knicks. <laughs> and I think that might get him over I'm gonna the line. I'm going to refuse. I think it's going to get him over the line. And they will have to throw me out for wearing <laughs> that because Dolan can't handle it. Yep. And I'm not going to allow myself to be taken out if I paid 15000 or 5000 for that seat. So they're going to have to drag me out Kicking for wearing a t-shirt. And screaming. And then I will be banned from Madison Square Garden for life and I can get off of this Knicks addiction. <laughs> like I have a friend, not mm. a friend. I know somebody who is a degenerate gambler. We used to play cards. Okay. And he stopped playing in the game. And I said, what happened? He said, I stiffed the game for forty grand." I said, what? He said, I had an addiction. I had to never get invited back. I had lost like a million dollars in the game. I didn't pay the last 40. They'll never invite me back. If I pay the 40, then I'm going to be playing every week. And you you can become a Sixers. All right. We'll see you all next time on Thanks This Week in Stars. Bye-bye. <laughs>